Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. We're at Silverstone. Today we get to see some cars on track and talk to drivers as well. I'm delighted to introduce my guests on the podcast. First of all, Group National Editor Stephen Licorice. Great to be back here watching some some cars go around. Absolutely, yeah. It's the start of the season. There's some cars here. It's that excitement is building, and we've had a few few races both in the UK and with some of the international championships now so all systems go and our chief editor Kevin Turner good to talk to you good to see you excited to be here oh yeah it's always great to be at a racetrack and also a Red Bull can't win today hurrah It makes it I make myself popular. I get another email from them. <laughs> it makes it interesting. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's your job to do every front cover of a of a magazine when Red Bull win every single race this year in Formula I, One. I, so I've already had several other journalists message me going. So, how have you got your twenty two other Red Bull covers planned? <laughs> so I'm I'm hopeful for Monaco that Alonso, you know, tight track might stick it on pole, then park it in front of front of everyone. And I will let you introduce our star guest of the podcast, a name familiar to Autosports readers and listeners. Yes, he's our reigning uh, Aston Martin Autosport BRDC uh, Young Driver of the Year Award winner. God, that's long. Quite a mouthful, I'll isn't it? Derek Warwick. <laughs> uh, Luke Browning, how are you, Luke? Welcome Good. to the podcast. Yes, hello, everyone. Uh, it's nice to be here and speak to you over the waves instead of in person or behind the lens of a camera. Um, but yeah, regardless, it uh, looks like we're getting through the worst of the weather now. Um, I'll say that I've not been in the UK for very long. I've spent most of my time abroad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's um start of the year is going quite well. So you missed the snow then? I did, yeah. Oh. I was in Dubai for the snow. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing it wasn't snowing there. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it was quite, yeah. yeah, the weather was quite good over there. Um, but yeah, uh, first race out the way, F1's kicked off. Uh, Weckenimpsa the other week at Seabring, well, last weekend at Seabring, which was quite interesting. So uh, it's all starting to kick off again, isn't it? Yeah, it's making a bid to be a pundit. This is good. Like We could talk about the driving standards in the last hour at Sebring, <laughs> 12 hours. I enjoyed uh, it. That was, that was that was, well, yeah, yeah. Imagine going being fourth into the last half hour and then winning because <laughs> the three cars have clobbered each other in the night. Anyway, that's well. probably not what we're here to talk about. But um, I thought maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit, just introduce you know, what you're doing this season. So obviously last year was amazing. We've sort of talked about that before and into the GB3 champion winning the award. But take us from, take us from after winning the award up to now how was your last few months been so chaotic um it came together a little bit late but um i have to say winning the award has enabled me to get the drive that i have now um without it it certainly wouldn't have been possible so big thanks to autosport for that um and you know that as an experience was absolutely incredible to be able to drive around silverstone um in a couple of days in dream cars that I looked at uh, for years and years was incredible 
Um, so yeah, now hopping into an F3 car, it felt like the natural step. And um, yeah, thankfully to some of the people, especially in the room at the moment, um, it's been possible. So I'd like to know more about that process because we start with a long list. It goes down to 10, it gets shorter and shorter. And then you get into the process of actually being in the cars and, and, and having the opportunity to uh, to pit yourself against your peers. What's the process like with that Young Driver Award? So it's incredibly stressful. Um, the finalists picked from um, Derek's short book of who he thinks has been done the best that year. Um, fortunately, I, I was up there and managed to get managed to get onto it. And um, yeah, so it's basically three days of scrutiny from the judges. Um, very well-experienced judges, I might add. Um, on basically how, how good of a racing driver they think you are through all aspects, so through media, um, through your fitness, through, um, and I think the main one, how quickly you can drive around Silverstone GP in three different disciplines of, of cars, um, which, yeah, I have to say was a big difference. So you, you basically you try and put on as much pressure as possible, um, which is the nature of the sport. You have to enjoy that. Um, but you'd be, say, for example, thrown out of a Formula 2 car, and then you have to go and perform within two laps in an LMP2, LMP3 car, and then you've got to go and perform um, in another stint of GT3 car, um, and everyone's under the same scrutiny, and if you know, you make a mistake or you spin, it's very well noted by Derek that if you crash one of the cars, you're in big trouble. Um, <laughs> so don't definitely don't do that. Um, so yeah, it was a fine line judging the margin between how far to take it and um, how safe to take it, um, especially on the second day when it got a little bit wet. Um, that in the Formula 2 car with big turbo lag and a lot of power was very interesting. And, and how do you approach your personal preparation for your performance for that 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 crucial time are you watching uh, youtube videos of the cars are you talking to people who've driven those cars because um how much research do you put into it before you actually turn up and, and get in the cars a terrific amount yeah i mean i think being part of the brdc and having uh, obviously being part of andy merrick's program the brdc superstars it really allowed me to tap into the knowledge of the brdc um, being able to pick up the phone uh, and ring people that had driven the car before, uh, Darren Turner, Tom Gamble, um, you know, very well-respected names now, especially motorsport, making a professional name for themselves. I mean, you go look at Tom now, professional McLaren driver. Big congratulations to him on the new announcement. Um, and yeah, being able to pick up pick up the the phone to these guys and um, then be able to tell me how to drive these cars um, was, I think, t- to be honest, probably the ultimate deciding factor in what allowed me to get the time out. Uh, so it is difficult to judge, but. Um, at the same time, it's down to how quickly you can get onto it. Yeah, and it's just really great that Luke's now had that opportunity to sort of showcase his talent at this this sort of level. Because like, I've sort of been reporting on on Luke's sort of motorsport career right back from his days in Janetta Junior when he was just sort of starting out as a, as a teenager. And even back then, there was clearly something special with Luke. I rem- remember there was one race uh, at Knock Hill in the wet where Luke got. In, involved in an incident on the first lap, he was spun round, dropped to the rear of the pack, pitted his car, because he was worried there was there was damage on, on the car, and yet there was a safety car because another car was, was stopped uh, stopped on track. So Luke got got back going in the race, right at the back of the pack, and came through and finished fourth, right on the tail of the car that was in third. And that was an early indication that, that Luke had something pretty special up his sleeve. And he, he, you mentioned the wet, and that was one of your sort of signatures at that, 
at that time was your, your wet weather driving ability. That's incredible that you bring that up. That's just twigged a memory for me that I haven't thought about in a long, long time. I remember that very well. And, you, you know, I remember my teammate at that time, very talented racing driver, um, James Taylor. And I'm not sure if he got, ever got the opportunity again to jump into a car. Um, but he left the door open for me because he knew it was... He knew it was the title deciding sort of... Uh, it was getting to that point in, in the season where it was really important. And... Um, he left the door open for me and I never, I never took it. And it was one thing that I regretted, but I think sometimes the respect between teammates, like that's really crucial. And I remember thinking, um, you know, as, as 15, 16 year old kids, however we are, however old we were at that point, um, uh, the way he used his brain in, in, in that aspect, I thought was really, really quite smart. And it's how I actually take, carry that forward now into racing. Um, for example, last year in GB3 being smart with, um, you know how you look after your teammates and using using almost using them to your advantage and um, not necessarily taking advantage, but um, having a good relationship with different drivers in the paddock really makes a difference to the outcome of the championship. And that was one thing that I picked up at a very young age. Um, and I think yeah, from from that circuit, as you said, in the wet, the wet for me has always been very special. Um, and yeah, that that combination I, I really enjoyed. No, definitely. And and then obviously. After that that sort of test session you did for the for the Autosport Award, did you what was your thinking? Were you did you were you confident that you you had done a good job? What was your sort of mindset at that point? I was incredibly nervous. I actually, it wasn't a matter of confidence that just filled me. Um, I I really enjoyed the days, really enjoyed them, but um, I knew it was crucial for my career. Um, and you know what, I prepared. I prepared and I could say a hand on my heart as much as I possibly could. I really did. I did as many laps in the simulator. I'd adapted cars to try and get them as close as possible. I'd, I'd really, I'd exp- I picked up the phone to everyone that I knew. Um, I explored every avenue. I'd um, found every onboard I could. Um, I really felt like I couldn't be any more prepared. Every little bit of data I could get my hands on, I did. Um, and I, I came out of it almost with a bit of a relief, uh, thinking, well... If that's not enough, then I've given it my best. Uh, it's interesting to hear you say say some of that because obviously we try, we do try. And it makes it sound really terrible, doesn't it? Cranking up the pressure as much as possible. Like we do try to make everyone feel as relaxed as possible, but realistically, just the, just the situation you're in, <laughs> what you're shooting for, who you're up against, the times, you know, how little time you've got in the car. Of course, it's a pressure situation. But one of the things that struck me about Luke last year was just you did seem to be enjoying it. Like you were sort of, yeah. There was a sort of bounce in your step, and you just you looked happy being there, which is what you what you want. You know, you want because people are more relaxed and then get into it and do their do their best, which obviously you did. One of my highlights though was when um, when uh, you asked Johnny Adam to just uh, can I just have the what, what would you have in qualifying for this car, the Aston? Put that on and I'll hang on to it. I was like, yes, that's the sort, <laughs> that's that's. So why, why mess about with trying to set? Like they know what they're doing. Put it put on what you would if you're going out to qualify in that, that car right now. Yeah, fair enough. No, I like, I like that. That's good. Yeah, that GT3 car was fun. It has to be said. There, there are a lot more. It's a proper beast, that car. Um, I think it's really underplayed just how cool the modern-day GT3 cars are. And they're a lot quicker than a lot of people, a lot of people think. Um, they've got a lot more downforce than people think. Um, and, yeah, it was one of the cars I really enjoyed driving on the day. And I don't think I would have had the opportunity to drive it otherwise um, unless you end up taking a different career path. Um Obviously, my number one goal now being to get to Formula One. Um, having the opportunity to drive a GT3 car was really cool. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, Johnny gave me some really good coaching on the day as well, which was nice. Um, being able to grab onto his many, many years of experience. Um, we, actually, Andy Merrick put up a, uh, a little slideshow as we were showing the previous uh, Superstars members and he, he's part of the alumni. So yeah, it's um, it's nice to be there and to see sort of the line of where you could be. It's pretty, pretty cool. Mm. How do, Talk to our listeners about the various ways to get your your goal being Formula One, um, and so you know winning British F four and winning GB three, and then how much of that for you is a is a straight line towards Formula One? How much of it might have to be a little bit of because there's some drivers into Formula One. We've got Nick De Vries on the on the grid this year, and we've got people Oscar Piastri took a year out, so we're starting to see some slightly different ways into into the tops here. Yeah, for me, it was never a direct route. Every year, um, it's quite funny, really, the way it works out. But every year, it shocks me just the opportunity that you get off doing something else. Um, and even getting into Genetic Genies at one point for our family was impossible. Um, so uh, the background and how the opportunities open up in, in motorsport is is truly from performance. And at the end of the day, the people that you know and connections. Um, so being in the right place at the right time is absolute key. Um, and at the end of the day, champions champions get promoted. So you have to perform at the right time. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really interesting the way F1's going in particular with drivers coming into it. It's not necessarily this 17, 18 year old kids getting promoted into Formula One anymore. Um, I think really Max set the precedent for that. But ever since, it's really starting to regress. And um, you, you're really seeing the... Uh, the immaturity of young young F1 drivers now. And I think teams are really appreciating the older drivers that have had a bit more experience to hop in at the right point. Um, I mean, yeah, you've only got to look at Nick now getting into it. Did a stunning job last year in Monza and he's doing a stunning job at the moment. So, um, you know, I think older drivers getting into F1 and taking the right step, going, you know, doing a couple of years in, in each formula and really gaining that, uh, that traction of experience is crucial. Nick Hulkenberg back in, in Formula One. He's a, a safe pair of hands. Sounds like almost like a kind of half compliment, isn't it? But, you know, you know what I mean by that? Yeah, and yet so far he's been the qualifying star and Magnussen's been the one coming through in the races. But anyway, there you go. It's Super awesome. impressed with Hulkenberg. Wow. I just, uh, yeah, I, di- I really didn't expect that. Um, you know, especially after seeing the year previously with how strong Magnussen was against against Schumacher, I, I really thought it'd be it'd be close. But I mean, time to tell, isn't it? You never know what's going on and what parts are on different cars. Maybe um, maybe Hulkenberg's got an advantage in some way with a different rear wing. I think a little like um, some of the other teams further down the grid. So yeah, I think we'll probably see a little bit further on into the season. But I enjoy watching it more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm a pundit. Pundit. You're gonna have to get, have to get on the Sunday night podcast after Grand <laughs> Prix. Um, but yeah, well, tell us a little bit about. So you're with High Tech in FIA Formula Three uh, now. I've got a couple of quite handy teammates as well, haven't you? I think so. Very handy teammates. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so maybe just talk us through how well how testing went and how what it was like stepping up from GB3, how it's going so far, and what the target is at the end of the year. So I, I did get chucked in a little bit. Um, it came together at the last minute, but as You're it always did, right? and it's it's better that way anyway, isn't it? So um, there was no GP3 testing days for me um, in particular, but luckily we had a few days testing out in Bahrain to get to grips with the car. Um, and we did, I think testing went really well. We were in the top five consistently. Um, and then we looked in a really strong place coming into qualifying. And um, little did I know there's a big learning curve coming with traffic. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bus being parked at the last corner every time. Um, so, yeah, getting used to the traffic management and not being out of sync is crucial. Um, I was well out of sync, um, unfortunately, um, in 
in the qualifying session. So that I did get blocked a few times. Um, I don't think I was out of sync for the first run, but especially the last run, which is probably the most crucial one, um, which ultimately determined me being in um, not the best spot for qualifying. I think we could have easily been in the top five there. Um, I think the car was ultimately super fast. And um, yeah, it's where, it's where we should have been, but didn't quite work out. Um, but I think, yeah, but to, to put it in perspective, I think the top 50 or from third to 15th or something was split by a tenth and a half two cents so it's it's literally nothing one lock up one mistake and um i really learned a lesson in bahrain and it was i made it i got blocked on the lap but not a lot maybe two two or three tenths so ultimately if i'd have put the lap together i still should have been p6 p7 um and i backed off out of it because i thought oh, i'll go for another lap but a little that I didn't realize about being out of sync and everything. So it's using that, that having that maturity in the mindset that if you do get blocked, you have an issue, you still need to absolutely go for it and still make no mistakes. So uh, ultimately the lap that I got blocked the least on, which ended up being my fastest lap, I made another mistake. I got locked up and it's all been such a big learning curve, especially in qualifying. And it's something that I definitely want to take into Melbourne. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and you've obviously gone into the season as the reigning GB3 champion, but just describe to the, to the listeners just how much of a step up it is moving into FIF3 it's big yeah it really is I, it was quite a shock to me in terms of um, I think being on the F1 paddock is, is big you know it's um, it's a big event now and you have a lot of eyes on you and that and that is absolutely evident in, in the people that are watching on the sidelines you know you have um, hopefully my future F1 team principals all watching the races prior prior to their FPs and qualifying so yeah, um, the pressure is very much on, um, and I think that's why you you see a lot of mistakes from from the youngsters that are really trying to get the most out of the cars. But um, in terms of professionalism and, and the championship, and I have the standard of driving is is really quite high. Um, at the end of the day, it is the F three World Championship in effect, um, and yeah, it's. I wouldn't say it was a shock because it's expected, but um, yeah, and I think we are where we should be considering the amount of time we've had in the car you know to still to be in that top five and you know having had no days testing and stuff I think it's pretty good you know and um, I think we're looking as uh, Kevin asked me earlier where do I expect to be in the future um, I want to be winning races at the end of the day I want to be I want to win the championship at, at the end and um, although some people might think oh you're coming in for your first year is that really realistic um, I've, I've had that on my back for years and years and years and I like to prove that wrong and you know I think at the end of the day shoot for the stars and see where see how far you get so um yeah I'd, l- I'd love to win a few races and uh, i mean it's a great a complete championship of attrition um and well survivability do not crash um you had the, the champion last year had two rounds in the middle race so yeah two race weekends back to back where he scored a cumulative six points so that shows you about what what it's about in um in priorities in terms of not crashing just to put some stats to what you were saying earlier as well, so, uh, so Luke in, in Bahrain qualifying was a massive six-tenths of a second off pole, which was good enough for 17th. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, you made up in the race by charging through to, to fifth. So you can actually overtake in these cars then, because sometimes it doesn't look like it, but you, you found a way. Well, yeah, you can with an incredible car like high tech. <laughs> <laughs> good. 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 Yeah. Yeah. good work. Um, yeah, so uh, the guys did a great job. Uh, they really did. And the car was absolutely electric at Bahrain. Um, we'd done a lot of prep for it. And yeah, to be honest, I felt... 
I felt like I didn't do it justice to where we should have been. You know, we, we should have come out top three in the championship really after off the back of that with the pace that the car had. Um, but ultimately, it is a learning experience for me and I'm trying to catch up as quickly as possible. Um, but like I said, you, the way to be the best or the most well-rounded driver at the end of the day is to um, is to go through these learning experiences and I'm enjoying it. You know, flying to different parts of the world, having this opportunity to be a racing driver at my age and... Um, yeah, and I guess all thanks to Autosport and, and the award and people around the British paddock noticing me, it's been possible. Because um, at one point, I just couldn't see it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a really important point for sort of drivers out there that are sort of plugging away, trying to rise up the ladder. Like Luke's journey up the ladder hasn't been straightforward. He said that he's never had the, the, the biggest budget, the most backing behind him to, to rock it up the, the ranks. But it shows what can happen if you put in some hard work, get the right people around you, and if you get those those results, you can get these great opportunities, like being part of the the Autosport Award and and then winning that, and then who knows what what can happen after that. And it's just I think Luke is a perfect example to to drivers out there to show it's don't give up. Mm-hmm. There is that potential for something brilliant around the corner, and I think I think that's that's a gr- it's really important for motorsport to have that to show to people that you don't have to be on a meteoric rise up the the ladder to to get to the top such a great message that it really is um having especially coming from sort of a working class background to put some context onto just how much budgets cost um you know for as soon as you get to the european level you will not get a seat for under three quarters of a million pounds so when when you put that into perspective of a normal family having that mo- amount of disposable income, um, there there has to be other factors um, that allow you to race unless you're incredibly wealthy, and that's why sometimes in in effect sometimes the standard gets lower in terms of drivers that are able to do it. I mean sometimes I mean you've got to only got to look at the standard of the Formula Ford Festival and um, even these lower categories that are so close, um, and the talent in there is absolutely immense. Um, but just never quite got the opportunity because of the budget. Um, and I guess I'm sort of the the rare the rare profit of it that I get. <laughs> I can't quite believe that it's happening. An opportunity to come and go and do this. Um, and I, I'm looking to hopefully do it justice for everyone that might have been in the same position as me. Well, fair play to some of the driver academies, though, as well. I would say. I mean, yeah, Red Bull, for example. How many how many people's careers have they made? Even the ones that didn't get to F1. Because you know, Red Bull sometimes get a reputation for being a bit harsh, but a lot of those drivers that they've helped over the years are still professional racing drivers, even if they're not in F1. So, yeah, I think credit to, to those sorts of those sorts of programs to to you know to lift the lift the talent through. But obviously, it's still um, yeah, it's still very tough. But I've got a bit, I've got a bit of an unfair, this is an unfair question for Luke. So uh, of the F because the F3 grid this year is full of of, of champions and runner ups and race winners from all different categories. Are there any drivers that have stood out to you already and you thought, oh, that's that's quite proper or they're going to be in the championship fight? Anyone? Or have you just been so focused on your own job? That's the that's the sitting on the fence answer. I'm trying to head, head you off on now. <laughs> I'm not blowing anyone's ego. <laughs> Come and have it. That's fair, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, um, I like to think in the same car that I give everyone a good run for the money. So, um, yeah, I think the, the, there's definitely... The standard has made me go, right, I, how much do I want this? You know, and um, I'm really sticking my nails into this now to make sure that um, I make the most out of the opportunity in the car that I've got. Um, and, and trust me, I'm not going to be 
um, taken away from that. So. Brilliant. That's a brilliant non-answer. I've got <laughs> no, to kind of go applaud that. That's no, good. it's good. It's good. Um, tell us about the the cars in F3 that you're driving, and in, in terms of the level of similarity moving up to F2 and, and Formula One, how much gets continued through, and then how much is 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 a big jump as you go from one to the other? Because we saw, for instance, in Saudi Arabia. The Formula One drivers have a huge amount of communication with the pit wall, constant communication with so-and-so is five seconds behind, closing speed is this constant radio call, they're two seconds behind. We saw in F2, particularly in a high-speed circuit like Saudi, some some of those blocks that were happening, it was evident actually that those that, that that's one thing that gets missing as you move just down a rung. What's it like in, in F3 in terms of you know, you're looking up at, oh, I could do with that technology or I'd like to, you know, get to that. And how how are the cars comparable? Ultimately, F1 teams nowadays are incredible. Um, generally, the amount of data that they can gather um, and they've got GPS data of every car on track um, and they can give live gaps. And we can as well uh, to a certain point, but it's... Uh, what point does it make sense for me to have that information? Um, so Formula One drivers being on different strategies, uh, maybe being on a prime compared to an option, etc. They want to know the closing speed or the speed that they're getting caught um, because it can make quite a big difference in their strategy calls. Whereas in Formula Three, I think it, obviously in Formula Two with the feature race having a pit stop, but Formula Three having no no, it's it's down to the driver, right? If you can, it's how well you can manage your tires. Um, it's not about undercutting or overcutting. Um, it's about how well you've qualified, how well you're racing, and then how uh, how much do you not shred your your uh, yeah your marshmallow tires? <laughs> so yeah, um, they they are very very soft, um, but give a lot of grip. It has to be said. So um, it's quite enjoyable around a track like Bahrain to really get the maximum potential out of them. And how do you compare for the next event? Because we're at the point of we're recording this. Obviously, you've got to get on a plane at some point soon. What's your preparation like for for Australia? So well, um, straight after this meeting, I'm off to high tech. Got some simulator to do. Uh, a lot of prep. So we're doing VSC prep we'll be doing qualifying prep um their simulator is absolutely outstanding there so um you know it, it, it's difficult to make it feel like real life but as much as they can do they've done um and yeah we'll be well prepped going into it i think and obviously like, up to this point you've predominantly been competing in in uk a few events in europe as well what's it like now to be traveling to australia we've had bahrain as a season opener what what's the difference does that make in terms of your preparation? I felt like a little bit of a deer in headlights initially. Um, ever since, I mean, since yeah, November, December, really, um, it's been a bit crazy for me just because it's almost the realisation of what's happening. Um, as I'm sure many people that are listening can understand that it's a complete dream to do this full stop. Um, and it's almost, it was a difficult realisation for me and something that I feel like I'm still not getting over is what I'm doing is such a dream that trying to understand it is difficult. So making the most out of the opportunity and just grabbing it um, is what I'm trying to focus on. Um, but ultimately rocking up to these events and trying to perform at the complete best of your ability, but also understanding, uh, sort of looking out the window and seeing big F1 banners and teams that you've looked at since you were, since you were little kids, sat down cross-legged uh, watching the TV. Um, to sort of walk past the pit lane and the garages and, and understand what's going on. Um, it, it's really surreal. Um, it really is. I got one. I've got time for one more. 
Right, well, oh, I'm question. not in charge of time. I'm not a time lord. <laughs> well, you uh, were, I thought you were clock watching. Yeah, no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, you got. Uh, yeah, you got a couple of minutes. Yeah, right. go for it. I, I'll go one more question. One more question. As as a driver, you've mentioned already. It's important to make a name for yourself and be noticed. And social media, yeah, websites, all of that. Telling your story, if you want to, you know, say that. Um, how much of time and investment do you have to put into, you know, team Browning in terms of getting your presence and telling your story in all of those kind of places how much activity is done for you and how much of that do you do yourself i probably don't do as much as i should it's amazing what the guys do sat next to me being able to pick up on stories that are happening you know and um ultimately you'll always be a lot better at telling a story than i will um so you know often i just keep up on up, up on social media um so if anyone's interested in following my progress please check in on there um and a, and a website but other than that i mean i try and answer as many questions that you guys put across to me and uh, and answer them well enough so that i don't come across like a moron um <laughs> which i think sometimes racing drivers are very good at i, I um, think i think you're okay on, on that one i mean i, w- I would just say that also and this is something that we say to to the winners and finalists in the award is that you use the people you know you know in that uh yeah that judging panel there is a lot of experience and quite a lot of clout as well especially when you're talking like someone like Derek Warwick you know even if it's just a quiet phone call yeah we'll kind of everyone will be your advocate behind the scenes one way or another and sometimes it's quite useful to to tap into that as you've got a particular thing you're chasing so I think that's true for all young drivers is like you know you don't leave anything on the table not just in terms of when you're sat in the car but all the rest of it as well Mm. well there we go listeners you can uh, it's an easy Twitter name Luke Browning and on Instagram Luke Browning Racing so go and follow those look forward to the Insta shots of the paddock when you get to Australia yeah thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and good luck thank you for having me brilliant all right thank you very much for listening um like i said you can follow luke and his progress through the world of motorsport Uh, make sure you subscribe and, and follow his journey thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one sports social podcast network